Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Thank you very much. It is a uh, joy and pleasure for us to be here. Uh, we love you guys and appreciate the church. We, as I said last week, I, we pray for you. And uh, whether you knew it or not, we are. Uh, last week I talked about the, uh, the, the cross is the key. If you're not here, I talked about the, if you'll turn to your Bibles to 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 1, I'm going to begin with a verse there. If I can ever get my little notes here open. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And the, uh, the cross is such an imperative to understand the cross, understand everything Jesus paid for. And when I talk about the cross, I'm not talking about just His death on the cross, but really everything that transpired during His punishment, the um, obviously His death on the cross, burial, and resurrection. So the message of what Jesus did for us at the cross is the power of God. Now, I don't know of anybody that doesn't want more power of God. I've not met one person in the church that doesn't want more power. You know, we're all looking for the power of the Spirit. We want more anointing. We want, we want to see the gifts of the Spirit operate. But this says that the, the message, understanding what Jesus did at the cross, it is the power of God. And I'm telling you, we need the, the power of God. And just talking about that last week, I made some comments, and I still I'm going to say those again. When you look at the cross, especially if you'd been there, you look like the greatest, it looks like defeat. I mean, here's, here they are looking to this man who they think is the Messiah, and he's taken and beaten and crucified on the cross, and he dies. And they take him down, and they put him in a tomb and roll the stone over it. That, that looks pretty final. But it, what looked like defeat was, in fact, the greatest event and the greatest victory of all time there ever will be. So we're looking forward to the return of Christ. But I want to tell you, if you're waiting for Jesus to do something, He's already done it. I mean, I'll tell you, it's, it's a finished work. When He said on the cross, it's finished. I mean, it is finished. And that's why we, I laugh all the time because people will say, they'll say, oh my gosh, this is going on, that's going on. I go, last time I checked, Jesus is still on the throne. You know, He's not up there wringing His hands. Not there pacing back and forth. He's waiting until His enemies are made His footstool. He's waiting for us, His church, His sons and daughters, to start acting like Him. And that's really what He's looking for. He's, not, he's looking for us to, to believe in Him, to believe in His Word, to believe what He said, to believe what He has done. And so that's what I want to focus on. Last week I obviously talked about the cross. To me, one of the most important and the most significant thing is to recognize that's how much He loved you. So personalize it. Every time you see a cross, anything that looks like a cross, you know, immediately start thinking about, wow, that's how much He loved me. He went to a horrible death for you and for me. That's how much He loves us. And so I just encourage you to, to meditate on that and think about that because He did pay with His very life. He did shed His blood and He did take the punishment that was due us. And it was all 
for us. And that is a living demonstration of his love. He loves us so much. So first and foremost, I just encourage you to think about the cross really being the, the expression of his love all the time. Now, when you think about what happened at the cross and what I said, he paid in full for all of us and he paid in full for everything that we'll ever need. And so that's why the message of the cross is so important. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 1. This is a, uh, I've got a couple of passages here that we'll look at. Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's past tense. He has. We are blessed. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed because He blessed me. I'm not blessed because I do something great. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus now. And a lot of times, we let the enemy steal from us and talk us out of something that we already are in. You do understand that was the lie in the garden. When Satan came to Eve, he said, you know, if you eat this fruit, you're going to die. Thought, oh, we're not going to die. God said we can eat of all the fruit except the one tree in the middle of the garden. If we eat it, we'll die. And he says, oh, you won't die. In fact, you, you know that if you eat that fruit, you'll be like God. Right? They already were. They were creating the image of God and the likeness of God. Tried the same thing on Jesus in the wilderness. Came to Him and said, if you are the Son of God, why don't you turn this, these stones into bread? What did Jesus do? He said, no, man doesn't live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He, he challenged, the devil challenged the word of the Father to the Son 40 days before, who said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Wow. So he's constantly trying to talk us out of a position that we're already in. He's trying to talk you out of a position that Jesus paid with His life for you to be in. And that's why the message of the cross is so important for us to recognize that, wow, I, I don't want to get to heaven and find out there's all these things I could have had now. I, I, want, to, I want to begin to live in that now. When, the kingdom, when He said the kingdom of God is at hand, He means that it's here now. Now, it's not in its fullness, obviously, until Jesus returns. But I want to walk in the full measure of what He's already brought and paid for with His life. Amen? So blessed with every spiritual blessing. Don't turn there. This is Second, uh, Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, He's given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Everything. We've been given everything. There, there's not, there, again, there's no shortage on anything. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Him, and we've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness through Him. Okay? Look at Ephesians 1.11. Verse 11 says, In Him, now again, this is a position that you're very familiar with, I'm sure, because throughout, especially the epistles, Paul uses the terminology of being in Him or in Christ, and that is our position. That's, that's where we are. If you're a believer, you're in Him. And so this position of in Him, also, you have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the 
uh, counsel of his will. We've received an inheritance. Now, the same thing goes to Colossians. Just turn to the right a little bit if you have a Bible or if you have an electronic device. Colossians 1, verse 12 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in delight. Now, my point of sharing those verses is that what he says is we've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, and we have obtained an inheritance. Okay? Now, think about for just a moment. If you've ever received an inheritance, you did nothing for it. You were just... You were either a family member or an heir or something, but you didn't do anything for it. Somebody had to work for that, and somebody had to die for you to get inheritance. that correct? Yeah. Well, somebody did earn it all, then somebody did die and left it all for us, and that's Jesus. We've received inheritance. And let me, let me tell you what he, what he gave to us. Everything. That's why the message of the cross is so important. When you, when you see that cross, it's not just some symbol, church religious symbol. It is, again, not only does it talk about how much God loves us, but it speaks of the greatest victory of all time. That's our victory. Jesus did all of that for us. He died and we have received, we've obtained an inheritance. And that inheritance is what we want to look at. He gave to us everything that we need. Uh, look at Ephesians, I'm sorry, look at, I'm going to turn to Isaiah, Isaiah 53. I'm moving uh, fast because I know that you, you can, can move with me. But the fact of the matter is, is that we have so much in Christ. He is paid with His life so that we can have life. He didn't say the problem-free life, but we can have life. We can live now in His presence. I'm not waiting to go to heaven you know, we're, we're praying for His kingdom to come here and, and for His will to be done here. Let me just say something. There's no problem in heaven. Problem's not in heaven. Problem's here. And He's assigned us the assignment to represent Him here. And how do we represent Him here? Is by believing in what Jesus has done for us and walking in the power of the Spirit. So... This this passage in in um, in Isaiah, it's about Jesus. There's more prophecies in Isaiah about Jesus than than in the other books of the Bible. But beginning in verse three, it says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet. Uh, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have... Um, I can't even... I can't see my own Bible. I write in my Bible, and I can't see in the light this dim. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. 
There you go. Now I can read that. We've turned everyone to his own way, and Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison, from judgment, and from and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made him a grave with the wicked, but the rich at his death, because he had done no violence. Nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him and put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, you shall see his seed, you shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord and shall prosper in his hand. Now I'm going to stop there. Now, the point is, I, I'll struggle through by reading my own Bible. Thank you. But the uh, point is, if, you, if we can pass these out, I brought these cards, and um, they're somewhere around here. I don't have, I just, there they are at the back. It, it, give one to everybody. And I did this because um, I like to put things into your hand, because I like things in my hand. I like, it reminds me. Um, I guess it probably reminds me of when I went to school and I and I read Cliff Notes instead of reading the real material. So, <laughs> y'all know what Cliff Notes are? They still have those? Oh man, I was just, I had a whole collection of those things. Anyway, this is a, a card. On one side, it says the Exchange of the Cross, and the other side, because the Cross, the Power of God. And I want to both basically saying the same thing. And I want to talk about that. The reason I read the Isaiah passage is because it's prophetic about Jesus, what he did. And what's so amazing about it is that it, what it basically says is that it pleased the Lord to inflict him. It was God who sent Jesus to the cross. It was the gift of life that he gave to us. And these are for you to have and you can keep and write on if you want to. But on this side with the cross... I've got what is basically on one side, it says Jesus, and the other side, it says you. And the reason for that is, is because what we have is a, when we've entered into covenant with God, same thing in a marriage, you basically have two parties in agreement. And I know you know about blood covenant and the whole issue of covenant. Covenant and we have the Old Covenant, New Covenant, the Old Testament, New Testament. When you talk about a covenant, basically what you do is you, you make an agreement and you exchange everything that you have. So reality is saying that's why marriage is not just a legal issue. Marriage is a covenant. You enter into a, an agreement to exchange everything that you have. To, and basically it's to death. And that's why it was the blood covenant because they sacrificed animals and they would pronounce upon each other blessings and curses if you broke it, but blessings if you kept it. And when you entered into covenant, you get whatever you, whatever you enter in that covenant and you get whatever they've got and they get whatever you've got. Folks, we didn't have anything. And Jesus had it all. So when you enter into covenant with God, the truth is Jesus made covenant with Himself so we could by faith enter into that covenant. We had nothing but bad and Jesus had nothing but good. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's just, man, 
What amazing love God has for us. So I just want to talk about some of these. If you turn it over and look at this side of the page, I want to talk about some of these because it is uh, imperative really for us to enjoy the benefits of our inheritance, to understand the power of the cross, to appropriate everything that Jesus has paid for us. And the very first thing is, is that He forgave us a debt we couldn't pay. Back to uh, Colossians 1.14. Now this is the same, basically says the same thing in Ephesians. This one says, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin." Forgiveness of sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to Himself, not imputing their sins to them. Isn't that amazing? Do you understand that He hath forgiven us? And that is so important. 1 John chapter 2 says that children know their sins are forgiven. Young men are strong in the Word to overcome the evil one. And fathers know God. Basically, three stages of growth, three stages of maturity. But the very first stage is, is that you know your sins are forgiven. And we really, a lot of times, I don't know if we fully understand that we have been absolutely, completely, the song we sang, listen, he's, he's turned everything as white as snow. And you know, and why that's important is because you need to see yourself forgiven. You need to understand no matter what you did, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter anything, you know, if you've received the gift of life, you've received forgiveness. When Jesus hung on the cross, He's hanging there, and He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The power of forgiveness releases us from condemnation. It releases us from that nagging, I don't know, I'm not real sure... You know, sort of messed up. No, you stepped into a new place and you've been cleansed by the blood. It's really, really important. Important to get. Because if you, if you, if you try to... Please hear this in the right light. If you're over here trying to please God and trying to earn something, it, Paul says you've fallen from grace. Because the reality is you're already accepted. Now, you need to please God because of love, but not trying to earn something from Him. Trying to, I don't feel really good about myself, so I'm going to do more stuff. That, that turns into religion. And so, it's so important to understand we have been forgiven. Not sort of forgiven, completely forgiven. Okay? Now, another aspect of that forgiveness is um, look at uh, 1 John chapter 4. Because part of this, there's another little aspect that sometimes we feel like that, well, I messed up, and maybe God's not so happy with me. Okay? Well, 1 John 4, verse 10 says, And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, I'm, I'm sure you use that word all the time in your vocabulary. <laughs> the truth is, no, we don't use that. But the, what that means is, is that the wrath of God that was against sin, He put it on Jesus. We're the sinner, and this is substitutional death that Jesus, He took our sin. He took the punishment that was on sin. He became the propitiation for our sin. He took it. 
That means, translate that into our language, God is not angry with us. Okay, one more time. God is not angry with you. He's not angry with me. He's not upset because you had a bad thought. The devil comes around and gives you a bad thought and condemns you for having the thought. And then you feel, oh my gosh, that's right. I can't believe it. I had, I'm terrible. God doesn't love me. Ridiculous. You know, the punishment that was due us, Jesus took it on the cross. Now, this is enough to just shout hallelujah for about the rest of the night. God is not angry with us. You understand that when He sees us, He sees us through the blood of Jesus. He doesn't see us in the fixed up, patched up, old, broken, what I think of myself. He sees me as a new creation in Him. Because He's seeing me through Jesus. That's why it says we have boldness to come before the throne and receive grace and mercy in time of need. Not because I'm good, because Jesus is there who is making intercession for me, which doesn't mean He's actually praying for us. It means He is the intermediary between us and God always. Yeah. He's already paid all the penalty. He's already done all that so that we can come to Him. So anyway, forgiveness is huge. Now let me tell you why, why forgiveness is huge. It's real simple. Without a revelation that you've been forgiven, you have a hard time forgiving other people. If you struggle with forgiving people, you have, you've not got a revelation of how much you've been forgiven. Matthew 18, the guy was forgiven a debt that he couldn't pay. In today's money, it's multiple millions of dollars. And he basically said, went out and found somebody. He was completely, he begged for forgiveness. Master said, I forgive you and release you completely. He went out, found somebody that owed him a one week's wages and would not forgive them when they begged. And he said, okay, he was angry with him and he said, I'll turn you over to the tormentors until all have been paid. If you don't forgive from your heart, so your heavenly father will do the same to you. Forgiveness is huge because it's love in action. When Jesus said, I love you, He didn't just say some words. He went to the cross and died. He demonstrated His love. He shed His blood. He took the punishment that was due us. So forgiveness is not a small issue. It's a major issue. And, and if we understand the power of the cross, the message of the cross, the power of God, understand the power of forgiveness is the power of love. And so when you, go, when you realize that you've been forgiven, then you can forgive other people because nobody has done anything to you compared to what we've done to God. And we were forgiven a debt that we couldn't pay. And he's basically saying, look, I've extended forgiveness to you. People tell me, well, I just can't forgive. You know, you don't know what somebody did to me. And I can tell you right now, I don't know. I don't have any idea what somebody did to you. But I know this, you can forgive. Because if you're a child of God, the forgiver lives in you. And there's not an excuse not to forgive. And it's say, well, you know, you know, no, 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 nothing. I, I didn't have to pay anything. It's a free gift. And we've got to we've got to learn how to extend forgiveness. And let me tell you when you do, when you have a problem and it's hard to forgive, you know who it frees when you forgive? It frees you. Then free them, free you. So forgiveness is huge. Okay, God is not angry too. That's another issue. Okay, another one here is a right standing with God. Um, 
we'll just go ahead and look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, He became sin with our sinfulness so we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so think about that for just a moment. He made us righteous. You don't make yourself righteous. So He made a way for us to have right standing with Him because of what He did. So, wow. I mean, I, I, I don't come because of my works or, my, or, or what I've done. I can only come because of the blood of the cross, because of what Jesus has shed. So we have right standing. Uh, Hebrews 4 said that we... Well, look at uh, Hebrews 4. That's a pretty interesting passage. Mentioned it a few minutes ago, but just so you'll see it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we, can, uh, we do not have a high priest who cannot um, sympathize with our weaknesses, but was at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace and, and, find, and obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. Again, because of what Jesus has done for us. It's all about Him. So we have, not only have we been forgiven in this exchange that God's given to us, but we've also got right standing. We've been made righteous. The next one is that we're completely accepted. And um, that's an interesting one. We just read in Isaiah 53 that He was rejected for us. In Ephesians chapter 1, you'll turn there. Ephesians chapter 1. Beginning verse 3, it says, We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of the grace by which we have made us accepted in the Beloved. Rejection is something that nearly everybody deals with at some level. And dealing with rejection, you've got to realize that what rejection is, you feel like there's, there's something wrong with you. And shame's the same kind of way. And I feel rejected. A lot of times it's self-rejection. But the reality is, is that Jesus was rejected so we could be accepted. So it's so important to, to receive the full acceptance of Jesus. He chose you. You think you chose Him. No, He chose you. We think we're chasing Him. The truth is, he, He's after us. Who's standing at the door knocking? It's in Revelations. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He hears me and opens. I'll come in. We, we have a tendency to think, no, we're out there chasing Jesus, trying to get Him. Please, Jesus, come do something. He's going, if you'll stop I'll, and open the door, I'll come in. Um, it's so important to receive, again, the acceptance. That's why when, it, when Paul says in 1 Corinthians that the message of the cross 
It's the power of God for all of us being saved. Why? Because when you really get the reality that, hey, I've been forgiven, I've been made righteous, I'm accepted in the beloved, my position, wow, you start living differently. That's why it's so, so very, very important. The next one is we get to share in his glory. Now, I don't have this verse written down there, but I want us to turn to John 17. We get to share in his glory. What is that? Well, John 17 is Jesus' prayer to Father. Basically, it's his report about what he did. And I want to begin reading in verse, I'm going to start in verse 20. I do not pray for those alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their work. Now, he just got through talking about the 12. So this is Jesus talking about the 12, and he's saying, okay, I'm not just praying for them. I'm praying for those who are going to believe uh, because of them, because their word. You know who those are? That's us. He's praying for us. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I've given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as I've loved you. Isn't that amazing? It's just staggering. What he's saying here is that what Jesus is doing, he's praying, that Father, the relationship that I have with you, I pray that they would have with us. Now again, we're supposed to be in unity. There's power of unity. But these prayers are not about all of us getting into unity. It's about us recognizing that what He's calling us to is a relationship with Him, the same thing that Jesus had. That's why He's praying. Do you think Jesus is going to get His prayers answered? I, I would be willing to bet. He probably will. So my point is, is that what we have to do is learn to agree with what the Word says, not, not agree with what I'm feeling or experiencing. I've got to agree with the Word. I am one with, with Father. I've got the same relationship, and I get to share in His glory. So, wow, is that amazing? And, and why that's so important is that shame is why shame is so is so bad is because what shame says is that there's something wrong with me. Guilt says I've done something wrong. There's a huge difference between shame and guilt because guilt, we should feel guilty when we do something wrong. If your conscience is functioning properly, then it should, it should go, that's bad, that's wrong. But shame says you're wrong. Now, it's a, it's a, it's a horrible deal that the enemy tries to put on you because he tries to put on you that there's something wrong with you and if you bite on that then you're going to what the enemy tries to do remember he's trying to back you into living in something less than what jesus has already paid and so shame is is disgusting but we don't have shame any longer he took our shame so we get to share in his glory so, you know, again, it's that the whole issue of Eve was already like God. Not God, but like God. So, that, you know, so the truth was when she bit on that lie, instead of getting closer to God, she got further away from God. 
And we have a tendency to do the same thing. And so it's just, we've, he's taken our shame out of the way so we get to share in his glory. The next one there is healing. Uh, Isaiah 53 says that we're healed by stripes. If you look at that uh, passage, it's very clear that it is healing. You know, people say, well, it's spirit and soul and healing. Uh-huh, it sure is. It's all of it. Spirit, soul, and body. Jesus heals it all. Jesus healed it all. And people say, I'm not sure if it means that. We'll look at Matthew chapter 8. And again, you know, we read Isaiah 53, 3 through 5. Isaiah, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus uh, is preaching in the synagogue that he goes into Peter's mother-in-law house and he, she's got a fever. He prays for her. He touched her hand, verse 15. The fever left her and arose and served them, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Hmm. So I, I, love, I love when Jesus interprets the Bible for himself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's just, okay, that's what he did. And they said, oh, that's what it was. He was just confirming the prophecy that had been prophesied about him out of Isaiah. Now, first... You can go to First Peter chapter two verse twenty four, and it says that by his stripes we were healed. So in Isaiah is looking toward the cross and saying, "By his stripes you are healed." And then this clearly says he's talking about healing, and Peter is looking back at the cross saying, "You were healed." So the truth of the matter is, Jesus has paid for us to be healed. And now is that physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing? It's all. It's all of the above. And you'll say, well, then why are we sick? And why do we have all the problems we have? Well, he didn't say we couldn't get sick, but he paid for us to be healed and be whole. And so, you know, as long as we live, you do understand we live between the time of the resurrection and the time of Jesus' last coming. We live in this period of time. Paul, I mean, I'm sorry, Peter at at Pentecost said this is the last days. This is none other than the last days. We live in this time frame where the kingdom of heaven is here, but it's not yet complete. So what does that mean? We look at what Jesus did. Remember the bracelets we all wore? That What would Jesus do? I'll read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll find out exactly what he'd do. <laughs> Heal the sick, cast out demons, walked on water, raised the dead, and did all those things that you get to see when you go out, to be honest, most places outside of the United States. But the reality is, is that he did all those things for us. But you look at the scriptures here, and I mean, he healed everybody who came to him, and he delivered people. That's what he wants us to do too. So really, we are healed by his stripes. But there's still sickness. There's still problems. So it doesn't mean you can't get sick. It doesn't mean you can't have issues. So we just got to keep believing the word. That's the challenge that we all have. Is to Can we really believe what Jesus has done? That's why it says the message of the cross is the power of God to those of us who are being saved. Now it's foolishness to those who are outside because it's like, that's that's silly. You serve a you serve a, a king that they crucified. Well, we serve a king that was raised from the dead. 
but he was also died. And what he did for us, he paid for so much. But healing is a huge issue. Now, uh, I have, I, I write in my Bible. Okay, I'll make a confession. Uh, I have got in every one of my Bibles, and I have, I have five of these, actually. They're exactly the same. Because early days when a guy that we followed um, that really had an impact in our life, he got his he got his Bible stolen. Somebody stole his briefcase and the Bible was in it. And I thought, you know, wow, I don't want anybody to steal my Bible. So I got five of them. They're exactly the same. So no matter where, I've got one in the car, I've got two at home, I've got one at the office, I've got them, I've got them everywhere. So I might lose one or two of them, I'm still going to have one. I remember Scripture according to where it is on the page, not by numbers. So if somebody tells me what's Matthew 8.15, I have no clue. But if you start telling me what it is, I know where it is on the page because I remember things that way. But anyway, I write in my Bible. So I've written down every healing verse in my Bible. I've got the exchange of the cross in every one of my Bibles. I've got, I write in there because I want to remind myself to not forget all his benefits. I, Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and, and don't forget his benefits, who he, who's forgiven all of our iniquity, he heals all of our diseases. I mean, it just, you know, because we need to be continually reminded of these. So I go through there. I have a pattern the way I look at healing, and I look at it in different ways. And, and the last thing I look at is the fact that he's a good father. And I'm a father. He says, you're, you're not a good father, but I am a good father. And I don't want any of my kids to be sick. You ever be, you, anybody want anybody to be sick? That he's a good father. So he wants us to understand how to release his healing and how to really receive his healing. It's just, it's not easy either, but he paid for us to be healed. The next one there is financial abundance. Um, you believe that? That needs to be by his definition. Look at 2 Corinthians. The issue about money is another uh, a major issue because it's his money. And what he wants us to learn how to do is to handle his money. It's a stewardship issue. And so it's not about whether I have or I don't have. It's learning how to handle his money his way. But 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through the poverty might become rich. Isn't that amazing? So what he's saying is, is that Jesus obviously had it all. There was no shortage. <laughs> There's no shortage in Jesus. There was no shortage in heaven. He paved streets with gold. I mean, you know, this doesn't even need it. It's like asphalt. No, but I'm just kidding. But the point is, is that he, there is no shortage with God. And what he's saying here, that literally Jesus became poor so that we could be made rich. Again, it's the exchange. He is exchanging. What did he have? Everything. What do we have? Nothing. So he's saying, look, you can, you can have that. Now, chapter 9, verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now, that's the definition of blessing. That's the definition of what 
you know, what you're looking for. You want to know what the financial blessing is, is to make all grace abound toward you that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Okay? That's the definition of prosperity. You realize that's a different amount for different people. Okay, don't get distracted. God's not distracted. His Word's not distracted. But really, the definition is, is that it's different for every person. The issue is not how much someone has. The, the, it, the issue is, does it God have you, and you, you're just a steward of His? But He's given different things to different people. It's not, a, it's not about how much do you have. It's how you handle what He has. That's what he wants to do. He wants us to, to learn how to move into his financial blessing. There is no shortage in God. Amen? Okay, the next one here is blessing. Uh, look at Galatians 3. Galatians 3. Thirteen and fourteen says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree," that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So, so again, whatever curse or whatever thing has been in you or your family, Jesus became a curse, so that we could receive the blessing of Abraham. Blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We are blessed. God has given to us everything that we need. And so it's time to say, that's right. I, I don't have to look, keep looking behind me going, oh my gosh, look at all this junk in my family. Look at all this junk in my life. No, it's cut off. We, we got to see ourselves stepping into the fullness of His blessing. We're not blessed. Please hear me. We're not blessed because we do something. We're blessed because He's done something. We're, we're, all of it's because of Jesus. That's why the exchange, that's why the, the message of the cross is the power of God. Understanding that He's done it. He paid for it all. The last one there, or the next, the next two, is life. He died so we could have life. He said, I didn't, I didn't die for you to have just life, but I've died so you have eternal life. I've died so you have abundant life. Why? Because when you step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not about uh, just hoping I don't have life here. No, it's eternal life. We've stepped into an eternal realm. We're going to get to live forever with Him, with each other, as you said earlier. So we have life. We have life abundant. And the last one there is a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You're not made over. You're not patchwork. You're not fixed up. You're not repaired. You're a new creation in Christ. Isn't that amazing? So all of these, uh, I give you this card, and I just ask you to, to go over these, look up the Scriptures, and you should be able to find a lot of other scriptures that will even back these up. But I encourage you to go over these. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll thank the Lord. You know, I'll pray, Susan, I'll pray more. I said, thank you, Lord, that, that you 
became a curse so I could receive the blessing of Abraham. Thank you that by your stripes I'm healed. I thank you, Lord, that you became poor so I could become rich and I could share in your abundance. I thank you, Lord, that you were punished so that I could be forgiven. I thank you, Lord, that all these things, you know, he made me righteous. You took my rejection so I could be accepted and loved. And so I just use this. I use this as a, it's just sort of, again, to refresh myself. And it's so important to confess the word and to speak it out. And so this is what Christ has done for us. And he's done a whole lot more too, but this is really, really good. And so I just encourage you, take this, pray over it, and really believe that this is all for you. It's all for us. And then what he wants us to do with that is that then we start living that way. We start living a new way because we're a new creation. We start living in a way that we basically bring forth his kingdom everywhere that we go. Now, I don't have to do anything. I just have to be. So let's all stand, if you will. I want to pray over us. <clears throat> I'm going to pray that the power of the cross, the message of the cross would penetrate every one of us. And again, I want to pray over the love of the Father. I know you, John shares that here. I know you know the love of the Father, but we'll never get enough. I mean, we're always going to need more revelation of the love of the Father. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You've given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness and the knowledge of you. And that, Lord, that we are accepted in the beloved, that we our lives have been redeemed, we have forgiveness of sin, that we're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Lord, I thank you that you've reconciled us to you, that we have peace with you through the blood of the cross, that we are ambassadors for Christ, and that you have paid with your life so that we could have life and have it more abundant. I thank you, Lord, for everybody that's here tonight. Everyone to hear this. Lord, I'm asking that you would help us to, to grasp the reality that everything you paid for was for us. The cross and the punishment that you went through, the death and the the horrific things that happened to you was for us so that we could have a relationship with you. You, you purchased us with your blood. And I pray, Lord, now that the message of the cross would penetrate our hearts and that every one of us, Lord, would, would begin to realize it is the power of God for each and every one of us. So I'm asking, Lord, in the name of Jesus, help us to understand the fullness of forgiveness. Right now, if you've, if you've struggled with, you just, yeah, I'm not really sure. You need to accept the gift of forgiveness and righteousness. And you were made righteous. You're not righteous because of what you do. You're righteous because of what Jesus did. Receive that gift. Receive the gift of forgiveness. Receive the gift of of all that He has done for you. And just receive it. Say, I am forgiven. I've been made righteous. Thank You, Lord, that I'm not rejected. I'm accepted in the Beloved. You know, He said He would never leave us as an orphan. We are not orphans. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And I thank You, Lord, that You chose me and You have called me. Just receive that right now. He chose You. 
You didn't choose him. He didn't. You didn't first love him. He first loved you. I mean, he's the one who picked you out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Lord, we get to share your glory. We get to be. We get to have the same relationship here with you that you had with Father when you were here. Lord, help us to walk in the reality of that. Help us to be the extension of heaven that you want us to be here. To see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to walk in the fullness of the absolute total victory of the cross. That the enemy was defeated. That the power of sin was broken. That death was defeated. And that Lord, you called us into that relationship with you to walk this out. Wow. Lord, we love You. We love You, Lord. I pray, Lord, if anyone's here that's sick, that, Lord, You'd begin to release healing. And I pray, Lord, beyond healing, that You'd help us to walk in health and be dispensers of healing to those around us. I pray, Lord, for finances. I'm asking, Lord, tonight that there would be financial blessings be released in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that there are breakthroughs. Lord, there would be promotions. I pray that there would be raises for jobs and salaries and, and things that haven't come in would come in. I pray, Lord, there would be sudden suddenlies that would happen. That income would just happen. Income would just show up. Money would show up. I'm asking, Lord, again, there is no shortage in heaven. Forgive us, Lord, for looking at our own resources instead of looking to Yours. Forgive us for being stingy, not giving. Forgive us, Lord, for not releasing Your finances. Help us to be true givers as You were a giver. You gave everything You had. Lord, help us to walk out the fullness of Your blessings, to be a blessing to others. So Lord, we love You. We bless You. We thank You. There is no more shame. There's no more guilt. No more condemnation. Because You said those who are in Christ Jesus... So Lord, in the name of Jesus, I bless everyone here tonight. And I pray, Lord, help us to, to live in the fullness of everything that you paid for with your life. We love you, Lord, and we bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.